the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're back. It's hour three at 7.06. I'm Randy Corcoran. Our phone number, 303-696-1971, 696-1971. And it's still 68 degrees in Aurora, 70 over there in hell where it's always hotter. Denver, Colorado. This weekend is just unbelievable. And uh, it's a good Harley night, and I am ready. But I've got an hour to go here with you, so I'm glad for that as well. And before I move away, but the, as we wrapped up the hour, I was talking about the idiocy at Arapahoe County Motor Vehicle where there's you know no line, nobody coming in, no nothing. And I'm going out the front door with my car right outside in the first parking lot spot. And the woman, the masked woman behind the desk says, uh, sir, that's not the exit. Exit, please exit the other way, all the way around the side of the building, away from my car, away from where I'm standing, away from where I'm headed. And I just thought, ma'am, no, thank you very much. And I did just say, well, no, thank you, and just walked out, big smile, and oh, my Lord. But I just wanted to run down with you. I know I don't vote in Douglas County. I know there's another ballot measure in Douglas County, more money for schools. Talked about it. Well, really heard Mike Boyle talking about it a little bit. And it's all nonsense. They've got plenty of money. They need to spend it properly. They need to reduce overhead. But I just, do you ever look at this stuff when you get it? Do you ever go in and you buy your uh, license plates uh, we had purchased a car for my wife just uh, just just before she died, and uh, so you know when you go in to get your plates and it's a used car, then um, you have to pay your sales tax and all of that. And I get it, but um, in addition to that, in addition to the county sales tax and the uh, I think I think the state was maybe paid when the car was purchased, but but whatever. But in addition to all of that. On this transaction receipt, let's see here. That's that's the tax. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 26 additional fees. Because they can't raise your taxes, remember? But the Colorado Supreme Court, in all of its wisdom, has decided that so long as they call it a fee, it's not a tax. So what do you get when the the wrapping is taken off of Tabor like that? You get the age of vehicle add-on fee. You get the prior age of vehicle add-on. You get the registration base fee, the prior registration base fee county. The bridge safety surcharge, the prior bridge safety surcharge, the clerk hire fee, county road and bridge, prior county road and bridge, emissions, prior emissions, emergency medical services fee, prior emergency medical services, emissions, program area county, 
The first emissions was area error count. This is program area county. Prior emissions, program area county. Emissions, statewide error count. Prior emissions, statewide error count. Insurance fee, prior insurance fee, late fee. The temporary that was on her car expired. And I, you know, I just wasn't dealing with anything. But so in addition to a $50 late fee, and that's my fault. You know, I you know, I know that they charge a late fee. So, uh, so yeah, I guess you can take that off the list of, what did I say, 27 add-ons. But you heard those repeated charges, the county road and bridge and prior county road and bridge. So they're charging not only the current moving forward, but prior for those fees and a $50 late fee. Motorist insurance database fee, prior motorist insurance database fee, material fee, the month tab, material fee, the plate, then the tax, peace officer standardized training fee, prior peace officer standardized training fee. So, you know, I get it. Um, The reason there's 26 for me is because I was late, so you get double charged on some of them. But that's still 13, 14, 15 additional fees on top of your sales tax, on top of your registration, on top of everything else. This government does not need more money. And that applies at the county level in most cases, at the school level in most cases. From what I've heard from folks in Douglas County who I know and trust, and that includes Mike Boyle, who to hear him talk about it, has looked at this issue very carefully. I, If I was a parent there, I would vote no. And I've got my Arapahoe County ballot in front of me. It's very short. I've got one city council member. I will vote for the conservative and three school board members. And this is really sad. Three school board seats in District 5 are on my tiny little off-year ballot, and one of those people is running unopposed. And you know it's a lefty. It's got to be. They are, they're so great at populating the school boards, populating the, the lower, uh, you know, the lower offices, the committees and the, the boards and the this and the that. And then we all have the state ballot measures. Just vote no on HH, Dick Wadham's baby. Vote no-no on HH and vote no-no on Proposition II which is where they want to keep, you know, tobacco money and all that. But they don't need more money. We don't need more taxes. We need to rein the Leviathan in. It eats out the substance of humanity. Literally, not figuratively, literally. So vote no on the statewide propositions. Find the conservative on your ballot as best you can, vote for it, stick it in the mail, or drop it off and be done with it. Just just get it done, because we got 2024. And I keep hearing the promos for the November 8th presidential debate in Miami. And those clips, man, it, it sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, Thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting, Vivek said. What was it that Nikki said? Every time you speak, I get dumber. And, of course, um, um, good old New Jersey governor, Skinny, with the the Trump takedown. I mean, that's, that's all he's there for is to take down Trump. 
to insult Trump, to fight Trump. He's at, I think, 1%, maybe 2%. Really, really embarrassing. So does anybody care about these debates at this point? I, uh, I, I could probably go if I want. I don't. The only reason I went to the last one is because it was at the Reagan Library, and I'd never been there. Got a private tour. Got to hang out with Michael Reagan. It was all pretty darn cool. And uh, and that was worthwhile. But what do these debates mean? Why are we even having them? Donald Trump is beating Ron DeSantis by about 40%, sometimes more. I know the first vote hasn't been cast, and they're, they're trying. A judge just fined him, what was it, $5,000 because there was something up on his website about the judge's clerk that apparently they forgot to take down, threatened Trump, you know, throwing him in jail. What kind of banana republic have we moved into? And how have we let it happen? Well, Bill Maher has a pretty good idea. And it's sad because, you know, if you listen through all this, and we'll probably get through all of it, it's about eight minutes, and just in bits and pieces. Um, but Bill Maher is, you know, typically nasty to... Republicans and conservatives before this thing is over. But what he points out about the college system and the mind-numbed morons that are being turned out by it is extraordinary. And it's a sign of the times. It's a sign that the times are changing. We've got music promoting America, getting into mainstream culture. We've got Bill Maher Radical leftists pointing out how our colleges, our elite colleges, are failing our students. And people listen to that stuff. It changes the debate over time. And the right is getting better at it. I mean, we have movies now that, you know, Hollywood won't produce that become blockbusters. We're getting stories out that, uh, that the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine won't cover. So it is very exciting in that regard. But let's uh, let's go ahead and check in with Bill Maher here. His little monologue, probably the best one I've heard from anybody, any conservative host or whatever. And it's basically, hey, kids in America, don't go to college. And finally, new rule as an Ivy League graduate who knows the value of a liberal education. I have one piece of advice for the youth of America. Don't go to college. And if you absolutely have to go, don't go to an elite college, because as recent events have shown, it just makes you stupid. There are few, if any, positives to come out of what happened in Israel, but one of them is opening America's eyes to how higher education has become indoctrination into a stew of bad ideas, among them the simplistic notion that the world is a binary place where everyone is either an oppressor or oppressed. In the case of Israel, oppressors being babies and bubbas. The same students who will tell you that words are violence and silence is violence were very supportive when Hamas terrorists went on a rape and murder rampage worthy of the Vikings. They knew where to point the fingers at the murdered, and then it was off to ethics class. (laughs) 
Now, isn't it interesting just in that first minute or so of that, did you notice how sort of hesitant the laughter was at the start? They're like, wait a minute, is Mar? Wait a minute, he's criticizing our side. Because you know the Mar audience is is the committed brain-dead leftists as well. And so there, there was real hesitancy there. But man, he said a lot. The college students were condemning the murdered, criticizing the murdered, blaming the murdered, and then going back to their ethics classes. Powerful, powerful stuff. People are waking up. And frankly, Marr, for the last couple of years, has been doing a fair amount of this. And again, believe me, by the time this is over, you'll understand he hates you. He hates conservatives. He hates MAGA. He hates people who believe in putting America first. There's just no doubt about it. But he gets it on this college thing. And I don't know what his position is on Israel. He, as I recall, I've only listened to this once when we cut it into pieces. But as I recall, he doesn't really come down one way or the other on what Israel should do. If you listen to the CBS propaganda at the top of the hour in 45, you'll hear from whoever that clown is at the UN talking about how, you know, Arabs now know that their lives don't matter because Israel is defending itself, retaliating, going after actual baby and grandmother murdering terrorists. But at least Bill Maher here is waking people up to just how dangerous we've allowed our college campuses to become. Now, I recognize that a certain amount of foolishness is expected of college kids, but mixing Jägermeister and tomato juice isn't the same as siding with terrorists. <laughs> 34 student groups at Harvard signed a letter that said the apartheid regime is the only one to blame, proving they don't know what constitutes apartheid. They don't know much of anything, actually. But it doesn't deter them from having an opinion. They've convinced themselves Israel is the most repressive regime in history because they have no knowledge of history or even a desire to know it. And actual history doesn't come up in their intersectionality of politics and gender queer identities class. <laughs> now, to be fair, at least five of the student groups have rescinded what they signed, saying they didn't read the letter closely. And they promised not to make that mistake again after they graduate and start running the world. <laughs> but As, Sorry, that is nervous laughter. And it's too close to the truth for that audience. And he is laying it on them. They put out this devastating pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas letter denouncing Israel and then when they get pushback, they say, well, we didn't read the letter close enough. That's true. That's part of the non-apology rescission of the letter. These positions have cost these colleges millions and millions of dollars. Thank God. Even left-wing supporters understand that this is way too much. It's gone way too far. But what Marr is pointing out about this idiocy, and, you know, I know I've said this a million times, but I got into talk radio by accident going on nine years ago now, 2014, I think, is when I 
started filling in and and then had a morning show for about a year and a half before a blow up with management and uh, and I've been here ever since. But back then, and you know that there was three hours a day of radio with plenty of time to get into history, plenty of time to get into uh, you know what the communists knew that they could not take down America by force, probably never can, although China is certainly making a run for it, isn't it? But they knew if they could infiltrate our education system, if they could inter- infiltrate our entertainment, and that's why you had co- have had and have communists in, Ho- in Hollywood. I almost said Hawaii. Probably have a few there, too. Uh, communists and infiltrators in our college system. And heck, they don't even hide it anymore. We've got communists running for mayor of the city of Aurora, self-described, on the Denver City Council. They don't even hide it anymore because it's become so prevalent that they can make their move. And the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine will not call them out for it. But Bill Maher is nailing. I mean, he is punching these people right in the face and they're laughing at it because he's a comedian and they're on TV and they're in their, the audience. And I'm sure the laugh lights and the laugh signs are going up and on. That's how it works. Have you ever watched a, a live show? That's how it works. Nailing it. Absolutely nailing it. So I want to finish this monologue with you when we come back on the other side. I also want to tell you about some of the sort of mystical connections, uh, God moving in my family and my life with the birth of this fifth grandchild, first baby girl. And um, I think we've got time for all of it, so I hope you'll stay right there on 710 KNUS. Then it really gets going. Moody Blues, 1967. I was eight. How old were you, Blake? Just not even a sparkle. (laughs) That's amazing, man. God, the years go by fast. Talking grandchildren, talking, you know, lost loves, talking my brother who died 41 years ago. And Moody Blues always makes me think about him because I was dragged kicking. And I was, I think I may have already dropped out of high school. And I was dragged kicking and screaming to the high school variety show where my big brother had the lead role. And part of what they had incorporated into their production was a solo, a cappella solo of Nights in White Satin, which, of course, is the probably the most famous Moody Blues song. And I did not want to go. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of hearing my brother sing around the house. He was just constant. And the place... You could hear a pin drop when when it was done. The you could just hear a pin drop, and and everybody froze on the stage. The spotlight was on him. He was dressed up as a king. I, I can't even remember the theme now. But oh my god, I just I had a I developed such a and you know of course I loved him. He was a big brother, so he. Nobody could mess with me except him, and he was good at it. But, um, 
yeah, he was just a powerhouse. And of course, you never know during those moments what they'll mean to you when somebody leaves you too soon. So I guess we all learn those lessons along the way. Uh, before I get back to Bill Maher, though, um, a texter sent this along, and this is really, really good. Caller earlier asked about Sidney Powell and the plea of guilty to lesser election crimes. Media is just touting it as, you know, this is another another one of the cards of the house of cards of Trump is falling. His insider will now be able to testify against him. And a very kind texter sent me a link to Molly McCann Sanders, who is also a, a federal litigation lawyer in her own right. In fact, I think she worked with Sidney Powell on uh, the Michael Flynn case. That's where that name Sounds familiar to me. And here's what she posted just two days ago. And I think this sums it up very, very well. The coercive power of the state. Criminal prosecution is crushing. And it has become clear that juries are no longer the protection to unjust prosecution they were created to be. Juries in these Democrat strongholds convict political opponents. It's that chilling and simple. And the process of a trial alone is, as I say, crushing. Sidney Powell has not, quote, flipped. She has made the right decision for herself and her family. The rest of us should be very afraid, though. Why should any successful lawyer put his or her head above the foxhole in future election struggles if the weaponized state can manufacture crimes to destroy them after the fact. Excellent. That is simply excellent. And I speculated about this earlier that, you know, Sidney Powell's facing an expensive trial of high likelihood of conviction because of jurisdiction, location, not so much because of the facts, and facing serious state prison time. So she's offered a misdemeanor, several misdemeanors that keep her law license, end the trial, end the risk, a probationary sentence, which, of course, she'll pass with flying colors. Six years, by the way, I think. It was five or six years of probation. How many violent offenders who, you know, toss Molotov cocktails into cop cars got six months, lawyers no less? kept their bar licenses or who burned down cities or chained police officers inside of police stations and lit them on fire. How many of them did six years of probation? Two-tiered justice indeed. So that was my speculation. No inside knowledge at all with regard to why she did what she did. And the idea that she's now... She'll have to testify truthfully against Trump. Not going to hurt him one bit. Not one bit. I would bet I would bet you money on that, and I don't know if that's legal according to the FCC. But um, figuratively, I would bet you your money. I, you know what? I would, bet, I would bet you Blake's money. I think that seems safe to me. Don't you think, Blake? <laughs> you can bet my money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, that's that's a great summary from somebody who worked very, very closely with Sidney Powell. And, uh, you know, my conversations with her were were 
excellent. The times I spent with her, I didn't work a case or anything. Spent some time in a jury box with her, downtown Denver. Um, lots of great conversations. Um, we shall see. This all has to come to a head eventually. Has to. And fortunately, no matter how many times they keep shutting people up, using lawfare to silence them, I don't think that the battle is going to end. They're not going to win. We can't let them win. Even if somehow in some alternate universe it turns out that we're wrong about this, the right to speak about it is sacrosanct, and we have to defend it over and over and over. This is the current joke of a vice president, Kamala Harris, back in 2018 of systems to audit, but also what they can do around um, best practices and, and best machinery. Um, we are talking with them about the fact that it is probably best that you do not have your election system connected to the Internet, because that will create greater vulnerabilities. And then look at where we are now in this year of our Lord 2018. We're talking about paper ballots, but that actually might be one of the smartest systems. Going back to, you know, a day when we could we could have something tangible that we can hold on to because Russia cannot hack a piece of paper like they can a computer system connected to the Internet. I stopped playing it because we did it several weeks in a row, but we had, I think, 24 minutes of Democrats denying elections, multiple elections where Democrats tried to make take the same steps that Republicans were taking in the 2020 election to put a stop on the electoral count and send it go into committees and send things back to the states that were requesting the opportunity to revisit their counts and then suddenly you know at the urging of Ray Epps and who else who knows who else Ray Epps now charged with a misdemeanor we've played him dozen times, if not more, on this show, instigating. We want to go into the Capitol, encouraging people to kick it down barriers on video, and years later he gets charged with a misdemeanor while people are rotting for decades until Donald Trump gets elected and pardons them. It's it's terrifying. It's simply terrifying. Does that mean we go quiet? Does that mean we just hold up and hold, you know, hold our breath, keep our fingers crossed? Not for me. Not with my two brand new grandchildren born, one just almost four months old, the other just almost five days old, five in total kids that have to raise those children in the world that we're leaving to them. Now's not the time to back down, especially when, in spite of what you'll hear from the soft underbelly Republicans, in spite of what you will see if you subject yourself to the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine, we are winning. Those suburban housewives who got upset at Trump mean tweets, they would trade you some mean tweets for schools 
that are unable, that are prohibited from hiding their children's gender confusion or desire to gender transition from their own parents. They would trade it for a secure border rather than fentanyl and child trafficking and terrorists that beyond numbers we can even count crossing that border. You see it all around. A Republican governor elected in Louisiana. Big, big news. Covered very little by the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine. What's that for short? Corrupt CC, Democrat, and CCDCMC. The CCDCMC. That's much quicker. I think I should just start saying that now. I have to write that down. The CCDCMC. Okay, I got it. We're winning. At the last, at a, uh, was it a prayer event? It was a school board meeting in Aurora. I think it was just last week. The weeks are all running together for me that I went to. There were more prayerful warriors outside in the parking lot than there were rainbow colored umbrella carrying radical leftists at the school board meeting. Now, what went on inside the meeting? I didn't go in. Just couldn't take it. I had to go. Um, and I heard it was pretty bad. It's a school board totally under control of the left in a failing school, justifying, making excuses, and then celebrating, you know, their their uh, gender policies and all of that garbage. But more and more people are showing up. More and more people are turning up. Democrats are saying, I can't stand this anymore. It's an embarrassment that this man is treated as though he's the president of the United States and paraded out onto the world stage. It's an embarrassment. It's happening. You have to keep fighting, keep talking, keep pushing back. Absolutely. All right, let's get back into this Bill Maher monologue. Not that colleges didn't always have professors with radical beliefs. I know, I used to sell them weed. <laughs> oh, you too, huh, Bill? But the reason why despising Israel became pretty much a requirement of the American left is colleges, elite colleges, the mouth of the river from which this and all manner of radical left, illiberal, yes, illiberal nonsense flows. Supporting all black, that is, segregated dorms, segregated graduation ceremonies and orientation programs, which occur on hundreds of campuses, is illiberal. So is the racism against Asian applicants and chasing speakers off of campus. <laughs> when the First Amendment Watchdog Group Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression began ranking colleges based on their commitment to free speech and inquiry, Harvard came in dead last. Dead last. Harvard for free speech. Instead, they focus on safe spaces where you can go and not feel challenged, not feel scared, blow bubbles even, not feel triggered by somebody, you know, standing up to try and save an unborn life or standing up and saying that these terrorists who murdered, slaughtered, burned, decapitated Israeli babies, moms, grandmas need to be wiped out and killed eradicated from the face of the earth. 
happening. Even Bill Maher is talking about it. And that is very, very exciting. All right, we've got some more of this monologue. I want to tell you some story about our brand new baby girl, my granddaughter Micah, who is like God, is what it means. And um, I just love that. I think it's so beautiful. And I look forward to wrapping up the show with you when we return here on 710KNUS. Come on now. You knew that I would have to at least squeeze one of those songs in, didn't you? But I just some of these songs are just... They're landing on my phone and playing through my car or on my boombox at home, and I just like to share them with you. So, And then we got a special request. We'll do that in just a minute. But no show is ever complete without a call from our friend Jack in Wyoming. So let's get him in real quick here before we have to go. Jack, welcome. Hey, congratulations, Grandpa. Thanks, man. <laughs> Five and counting. Here we go. You know, I'm... Glad to hear things are going better for you than they were. Hey, I'm, here's my point. My point. This whole thing about holding Trump up as uh, the big lie—they're calling it the big lie about election interference. Well, if that's if that charge is included, they're going to continue with this prosecution of, of that. Opens the door for him to bring in all the evidence, uh, and he should have an affirmative defense assembled by now. It should be sufficient enough. To blow that out of the water, comment on that. Well, I, I would love to be inside the defense team and just see exactly what they're doing. But, you know, he certainly doesn't operate like he's acting from a position of fear. And there's so much to justify actions that he took and so much variety in the type of legal advice that you can get on any particular topic. You know, the attacks on John Eastman are ludicrous. If you listen to some of the hearing that's going on out there on his bar license, it's insanity to think that lawyers can't propagate what, especially for that man, are well-researched ideas and possibilities. It, it's just, um, it's terrifying. And and I, I just think we win this thing in the end, Jack. Well, he... But if they if they continue to push it, he will be allowed to bring it all in. Whereas has it has to. not been, it has not been brought in yet because everybody has their foot against the door. Yeah, I, I so if that's your question, yes, absolutely. I I don't there there will be no plea bargain with Donald Trump. I can't imagine that they'd offer it, and I certainly can't imagine he'd take it. So that means eventually, we finally get to hear some facts in a court of law, and they've done. Judges have done everything to stop that from happening. The media continues to do everything to stop that from happening. And the world will be watching that one. So what's your sense of how, how well put, put together that'll be? I mean, obviously, you're on the ground floor with that. None of the rest of us are. Well, you know, we're at the end of the show, so there's no time to start going back through. Um, and it And it depends on which case you're talking about, obviously. Um, if you're talking about the Georgia case. Yes. Uh, they, there's a wonderful court of appeals ruling that uh, is going to allow. I mean, they're still fighting it. The other, the left is still fighting it, but it's going to allow people who've been pushing to get actual visual copies of ballots uh, for review. Mm. And a trial judge said no, you can't have them. An appellate judge said yes, you can. Now, of course, it'll go to the next level of appeal. But all of these things are continuing to go on behind the scenes, out of the news. And eventually, it's got to break through, Jack. It has to. Yes, that's exactly my point. All right. Well, God bless you, man. Okay, man. Thank you. Good old Jack in Wyoming. 
<sighs> All right. Well, I guess I probably won't get to the rest of the Mar stuff because we're running out of show. Maybe we'll get a couple more hits. But um, people keep asking. And the text messages are pouring in, by the way. Thank you, everybody. Randy, always enjoy your show. Many congratulations on the perfect births. Two in a row. We've got one who's uh, almost four months old and another who's almost five days old. And they're just beautiful. Um, so, yes, uh, blessings abound. Um, text messages I've kind of uh, avoided tonight or just haven't had time to look at them, but there's so many good ones here. Randy, I'm glad I'm retired. Our judicial system terrifies me. This is a retired law enforcement officer. Absolutely. I mean, think about how Derek Chauvin feels right now. Leftist media on the side of and spout the lies of their father, the devil. Yeah, it's hard to argue with it. It really, really is. But I wanted to tell you about a couple of the mysterious things that went on the night before my daughter full term pregnancy would have been next week. And for some reason, it was just on her heart. You know, I'm ready. I've got to get this baby out of here. Talk to her doctors. They said there's no harm. There's no problem. There's no reason not to. So if you want to come in, we will induce you. So she was in the hospital on Monday. I went and saw her. I left the hospital, went to my wife's gravesite, spent some time there. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a love filled place. I mean, there's so much dark. It's, it was cold. I was cold, dark, black night. It was like 10 o'clock when I left the hospital. So I'm by myself in the cemetery and you walk to my wife's grave and it's just full of love. There are pictures of her with the kids. There, there's flowers, even phony flowers that keep it colorful. You can just tell it's loved, and and that always makes me feel good. But I told her, you have got to let your daughter know that you're with her. She needs you. You've never not been here for the birth, the births of her other two children. And in every milestone of her life, you've got to send her a sign. So my wife was always a fan of natural childbirth. She had natural childbirth with her two children. And she would encourage uh, Alex, our daughter, to do it. And anybody who was pregnant, she's, it's, yeah, it hurts, but it's, it's transformative. It's, it's incredible. And Alex never did it. She never, um, she'd always wind up doing the epidural. And, you know, I understand. I, I mean, I, I don't understand. I can't imagine the pain that your body goes through to get that baby out of there. So, they finally start to induce her and the doctor comes in and there and Alex is worried and, you know, and my, is it too slow? Am I too early? All that stuff. And doc said, look, we need to start the epidural. It's going to relax you. It'll allow you to dilate. It'll speed things up. So let's just do it. So they go ahead and they give her the epidural and Alex is immediately relaxed and she immediately starts to dilate and her contractions become, you know, stronger. And then all of a sudden she starts to hurt and she's really hurting and she gets to the point where she's screaming like I have never heard uh, a person scream in my life because she is in agony and there are five nurses are in there and they're, they're putting her in this position and that position and they're, they're checking her out and everything seems fine and there's no reason, no, absolutely no basis for them to... Th understand why she is in so much pain that the doctor says I can I can make the epidural stronger we'll do it and the doctor the the 
pain doctor says, I can give you some other medicine. The other doctor says, no, you can't. We're in this thing now. Um, so nothing else is going to happen. There's nothing to do but have this baby. And Alex is in such screaming pain that she starts to throw up. And the throwing up, you know, it helps her push. It, it's a, you know what that's like. It's a heavy contraction. So this process that lasted about an hour um, with the epi- from the start of the epidural turned into about a 20-minute delivery. And baby's out. The baby's healthy. There's no tearing. There's no um, unusual bleeding or damage of any kind. Of course, once the baby's delivered, the pain absolutely stops. And all of a sudden, a nurse bends down and picks up the epidural. The needle was still stuck in her back, and that's a horrible process, getting that sucker in. The needle was still in her back, but the epidural tube had fallen on the floor or had come loose. It was on the ground. The nurses, they were checking the the bag. They were checking the tube. They were checking everything, but they didn't realize that the damn thing had come unconnected. So Alex, she was the first one to draw this conclusion, is convinced that her mom (laughs) was present and had her way. She wanted Alex to have another baby, which she wasn't planning to do. And she, because she wanted us to have a girl, Alex wound up pregnant, wounds up being a girl. She'd always wanted natural childbirth. Epidural falls out. How often does that happen? Alex gave natural childbirth to a perfect baby girl on the same day that Tana's mom died on my dad's birthday. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff with, uh, the 10, 8, 10, 18, you know, if you, if you look at the numerology of it and I get a little skeptical of that, but it's just all very, very fascinating. Anyway, it was an extraordinary week for our family and I do feel inspired by it and all of the incredible people that are coming into my life and people who are on the same journey as I am and just unbelievable. Anyway, I appreciate your indulgence. I love having you here. I won't be here. Uh, got a wedding next week, so always remember this. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 